Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm your host, Matt, and I told you all last week that this week I'd be doing something a little bit different than usual. Usually, as you know, I work from a topic like Contradictions or a book, First John, and we study those together. Usually, my personal life doesn't play a large role in the podcast, not because I don't want to share with you, but because it's usually not relevant. Today, however, is going to be run a little bit differently. Today I would like to share with you a piece of my past, a piece of my history, a piece of my story. But first a little bit about me. After high school, I attended James Madison University, and I majored in music industry. Uh, my instrument was voice, as a tenor, and I loved to sing popular music and art song. To fast forward quite a bit to now, uh, I'm coming up on my second anniversary this December with my beautiful wife, Kristen. We moved to Charlotte in the summer of 06 so I could start seminary at Southern Evangelical Seminary. I'm preparing myself to fulfill what I believe God has given me the desire and passion to do, to pastor a church. The reason I chose SES, however, is because it was one of a few schools that had a Master of Divinity in Apologetics. Apologetics is a systematic formal defense of a doctrine of belief. So it explores and argues questions like, is there any evidence there is a God? Or if there is a God, why is there evil in the world? Things like that. Now, it overlaps, but it contrasts with evangelism, which, of course, is the presentation of the sinful state of man and salvation from eternal punishment through the sacrifice of Jesus the Christ. So evangelism is telling the good news, and apologetics is defending it. My first year of school last year was difficult, but it definitely started me on the path of preparation. If I'm talking to a stranger, friend, or acquaintance today, and the topic of God and Jesus come up, I feel confident I could present and defend the historical Christian position. But that is not what I've had pressing on my heart to share with you. I want to share with you a piece of my college history, a time when Confidence in apologetics and evangelism was critical. Like I said, I was a music major at James Madison University. And if any of you listeners are out there, stop by a practice room in the music building for me. I've been singing since 8th grade. In my freshman year at JMU, I auditioned and joined a male a cappella group called Exit 245. A cappella means without instruments. So it was all voices covering pop songs like Tears of a Clown, Kung Fu Fighting, With or Without You, things like that. And we had a soloist, but our voices made up the instrumentation you normally hear on the radio. We practiced three times a week and were performing nearly every weekend each semester traveling to different schools in the area or performing around JMU. We spent a lot of time together. So it shouldn't come as any surprise that while in the group, those guys felt like family. Well, in the year 2000, the group drove down to Richmond to record an album. And I rode with a happy-go-lucky philosophy major, Jay, in his beautiful blue Miata. The two of us had hours alone in the car on the way down. And I remember vividly when conversation turned toward a more serious issue. 
He brought up something from a class, maybe a philosophy class, I don't know, talking about the existence of God. Now, knowing from previous conversations with my friend that he wasn't a Christian, my heart began to race and adrenaline pumped through my body. This was an opportunity. I could tell him about my faith, the reasons I believe what I do, and maybe, just maybe, he would be receptive and convinced of the truth. I thought through what to say. I took a deep breath and I exhaled. And as I sat in silence and as the minutes passed driving down I-64, I saw my opportunity fade from sight in the rear view mirror, abandoned at a random mile marker on the highway. I chickened out. Well, we had an exciting and tiring week in the recording studio. And in the back of my mind, all week, I was plotting and planning for the return trip, building up my courage every free moment, starting every morning praying to God for the opportunity to share the gospel with Jay. I woke up early on the last day of the trip, my heart was already pumping double time. When we got in his Miata, and as we pulled away from Richmond, I gave Jay a pat on the back. I looked him square in the face and I said, Jay, I've been thinking about what you were saying on the trip down here. And after miles of intense back and forth, difficult, heartfelt conversation, our trip climaxed as Jay declared that very day his sinful state and gave his life to Christ. At least, that's how the conversation goes in my imagination today. I'm afraid when Jay and I left Richmond, all the boldness and courage I'd spent the week building was demolished at the starting of the engine. Now this... This wasn't the only time in my life I'd taken the easy road, compromising my faith for the sake of comfort, relationship, or just avoiding fear. So at the time, my cowardice was quickly forgotten, and the years passed to graduation. Both Jay and I left Exit 245 at about the same time to focus on other things at college. So we really only saw each other a handful of times on campus for the rest of our time at JMU. Less than a year after graduation, I remember getting a call from one of my college roommates. It was about Jay. Jay was dead. And as my mind grappled with this incomprehensible statement, that had to be false. My friend also informed me that it was suicide. Jay had shot and killed himself. My world was spinning, and I remember feeling like there was no ground below me, and I was lost in a despair and guilt. What if I had said something? What if I hadn't chickened out? 
when I had that opportunity. Even if he didn't believe then, what if, in that moment, clutching that gun, what if he remembered the hope I had and resolved simply to talk to me before pulling that trigger? I spent much of the following days in tears and in repentance. The love of my parents and the counseling of my friend and mentor Scott enabled me to push through the pain and the guilt. My story for you today is not one of bravery, courage, boldness, or audacity to proclaim the gospel unflinchingly and act in love for my friend. Rather, it is a cold reminder of the reality which surrounds us every day when we neglect God's command. In an essay in Weight of Glory, C.S. Lewis said, Millions of years from now, the dullest and most uninteresting person you meet may one day be an incredible creature who, if you saw him now, you'd be strongly tempted to worship or a horror as you only now meet in a nightmare. All day long we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal, but it is immortals with whom we joke, work, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. But I didn't help Jay toward the destination of everlasting splendor. Instead, I sat silent, scared, and uninterested. But this is not what we are called to do in the Christian life. The world we live in is filled with people already dead in their sin, and they don't even realize it. They may be desensitized to the pain thinking that this material world around them is all there is. They may be happy, just the way they are. But the fact is, as recorded by Matthew and spoken by the Son of God himself, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Your friends, your family, your co-workers, who are not on the narrow path, that is the path of Christ, they are headed for that wide gate of destruction. Without the forgiveness of their sins, they are headed for hell. What is it that Jesus says before ascending into heaven? Turn to Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Of course, we make, we make disciples by making believers. Of course, it's the Holy Spirit which to which the unbeliever responds. But Romans 
How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And don't count on the preachers in your church because your friends may never step into the church. And even if they do, the church is for building up believers. So they might not get it. You, you and us, we are our friends and family's preachers. We are the blessed feet that bring the good news. Now, some of you I know are in high school or in middle school and are thinking, there's no way I can share this. If I do, a lot of these people will not be my friends. I know this was a fear of mine in high school. But you know what's strange? When I look through my yearbook from all those years ago and I see the people who sign their names, they wrote little messages like KIT, keep in touch, or never change, or we'll be friends forever. You know what? I don't recognize most of those people. And I had a great group of friends through high school that I will never forget. And I still talk to, but for the most part, most of the people you interact with are always going to be at best acquaintances. So in those cases, I didn't share the gospel, and for what? I don't even know who those people are now. I don't know where they live. I don't know what they're doing. That's sad. I was walking around with the hope of God in my heart and new life, and barely anybody knew it. Remember what Lewis said, we're all immortals. Every human you see will spend eternity somewhere. And they are a precious part of God's creation. What are we afraid of? The response of the hurting victims? Peter Kreeft paints a portrait of this world as a battlefield. And non-Christians are not the enemy. We're not fighting non-Christians. Non-Christians are the wounded victims that we must usher to refuge in Christ. Don't fear their response. Don't fear them. In Matthew 10, verse 26, Jesus says, Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light, and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather... Fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's intense. Fear God, not man. What can man do to you? Those of you who listened to the First John series know about the boldness and confidence we have before Christ. So who can stand against us? Another popular reason for staying silent we are afraid of the follow-up questions someone might ask. What if they do say, don't the Gospels contradict one another here and here? Or how can I even know God exists? And this, my brothers and sisters, is where we must add apologetics to our toolbox. We need to be ready to evangelize. And we need to be prepared, as Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. 
Likewise, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's why what you are learning here on this site and in other places is so critical to your faith journey. This stuff, this stuff takes some effort to learn. It takes some practice to learn how to think critically. But you know what? Doing this gives us confidence as we stand before our friends and family. We can approach them reasonably confident that we can answer some of their questions and can know where to look to answer the rest of their questions. The only way we can overcome the hurdle of not knowing something is by learning it. So we need to be prepared to share the gospel message, to tell someone of the first and last Adam, the story of sin and salvation, and then we need to be ready to justify our belief. But what about Jay? I know some of you are wondering, was he a believer? Well, I don't pretend to know. I can't judge his heart. For all I know, someone shared with him the glory of God, his need for forgiveness through Jesus' blood. And it just so happens that his last act in life was the sinful act of ending what, what wasn't his to end. I pray that that is the case. But it could be that he was not a believer in Christ at his death. And if that's the case, then we know from God's revealed word that he's in a place of eternal punishment. I wonder sometimes if the uncertainty in his fate contributes to my ability to move forward from my cowardice. What if God gave us insight to the eternally negative consequences of our choices? What if, when we heard a brother cheated an unbeliever, pushed them away from Jesus and salvation, what if God showed us their pain with undeniable certainty? Could you bear it? <laughs> Why would you? Why should we, when we can just share and defend our faith, Who are the J's in your life? Who will you only get one last chance to change? Who needs your feet to bring them the gospel and truth in love and in power? It may not be who you think it is. I sure didn't know, driving back from Richmond, that that was my last chance impact his life it may not be who you think it is so be on the lookout and please my listeners if you would learn from my experience do not miss any opportunity let us pray Lord Jesus we thank you and praise you for your decision to come to earth not to be served but to serve thank you 
for coming to pay the price for our sins, Jesus. Thank you for giving us a narrow way to eternal life. Heavenly Father, God, please give us the courage and boldness to embrace our friends and our family with love. Give us the courage to share the history of sin and the way of salvation. Oh God, help us to be observant for every opportunity presented by you on a bus, on a street, in a class, at work. God, help us to see the hurting of this world. God, we ask that you give us those opportunities, God, as we prepare, send people in our lives who we can lead to you, God. Help us see the hurting of this world, the many who are on that path of destruction, and help us to lead them to the narrow path of your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, we covered a lot of stuff today. And um, if you have any questions or uh, if you want to talk about the things that we talked about today, uh, if you yourself are struggling with a temptation to take your own life, whatever it is, please don't hesitate to email me. My email's mattb.bsp at gmail.com and I will pray with you. Uh, I, will, I will talk to you. I will uh, help you find uh, a local church, whatever it is you need. So, uh, I thank you all for listening this week. Stay tuned next week. And this week, just go out there and share the good news.